podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. to take good care of yourself, right? We're all self-made people. We have what it takes and we know what to do. With all the information out there on balance, how to work right, eat right, sleep right, love right, think right, walk right, talk right, exercise right, and the list goes on. We're all doing it right, right? If so, then why are so many people depressed, stressed, in conflict in relationship, at work, even at play. Dr. Annika Sorensen believes we've got it wrong. We talk about how much we've evolved over time, and in part, it's true. But for human beings to really be functional, satisfied, truly happy, she thinks we need to go back to the basics. Our brains seek stimulation, and our bodies need to move. Period. And we have to find models to help keep us on that track. It's been said that all roads lead to Rome. Dr. Annika thinks this applies to regaining control of our lives as well. There are many ways to re-energize and fully participate in our own lives on all levels. Her method is clear and simple. Commit to our whole being and recapture our inner power, which helps us navigate the turnstiles of life. We must dare to be true to ourselves, to see ourselves as we really are, and then commit to who we know we want to be and can most definitely be. We must dare to seek the man in the mirror, to truly understand we can't change anyone but ourselves. It's when we truly accept this notion that we can make positive changes for the future. Valeria Tellis interviews Dr. Annika. Dr. Annika Sorensen, MD, specialized in family medicine and health promotion strategies. She has practiced in the public health system in Sweden for 30-plus years, helping patients with stress and stress-related issues. Today, she has changed focus from disease to health, with an emphasis on stress, health promotion, work assessment, and other business-related issues. She mentors business professionals, executives, and corporate leaders. Dr. Annika offers a number of services and is a regular public speaker on topics related to stress management and healthy living. She has published two books, Take Stress from Chaos to Calm and My De-Stress Diary. She also has a TEDx talk about stress. 
Here is the interview with Dr. Annika Sorensen. In your own words, who is Dr. Annika? Dr. Annika is a Swedish family practitioner who realized after many years working uh, as a doctor that there is something else to life because you get stressed out in the ordinary life and you have to find another way of living. And so at 55, I changed my route a bit. And um, I took a course in stress management because I thought I would learn something for myself, realized that that knowledge was not only for me, it was for my patients too, because my patients, I could see what they needed. And that was not what we were taught in medical school. And I had, so I kind of changed my way of thinking of disease or rather thinking more about how to prevent disease and uh, not feeling good instead of trying to cure things when it already had happened. Because it's really easier to prevent if you know how. So true. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. So I have a few warm-up questions for you before we talk about your book, Take Stress from Chaos to Calm. And my first warm-up question is, what is life? What is life? Yes, that is a deep question. (laughs) It's about enjoying the time we have on Earth uh, and being together with other people or, you know, the community that we all are because we are group people, group animals. And life is part of being a part of the group. What do you think is the opposite of life? Well, the easy answer is death. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an easy one. (laughs) For a doctor, that's a very obvious state because that's what we work with, life and death in that sense. But the opposite of life, in a way, is not living your life when you have it to live somebody else's life, to not participate in your own life. Uh, And that is what I would say the opposite. It's, uh, yeah, you can, it's it's a deep question. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Freedom is, it's an honor to have. I have always lived in a free country. I've always had my freedom. I am a woman, and in some parts of the world, you don't have much freedom if you're a woman, but I'm lucky enough to live in a country where that has not been an issue, even though we still have stuff to do in that area too. But So freedom to me is to be able to be myself. And uh, I, as I see it, I am lucky enough to have been able to be myself and I can see that that's not for everyone in this on this globe today yeah and that's true why do you think it is more challenging for women to be free or to be themselves 
uh, well, in my world, that is because we live in, it's a male world. And it has been for so, so many years. It's, it's kind, even in a country like Sweden, where we are so-called emancipated, there are structures, even among those who believe that they don't use the structures, they do. There are structures that are enhancing the men and suppressing the women. And it's just all over the place. Uh, very subtle, but it's there. I I don't have the answer on how to uh, solve that problem or, or how to how to do so that it's so that it gets really equal. Because in my uh, world, it's not about uh, women taking uh, the power instead of the men. Uh, I want people to have the same value and the same possibilities. Despite gender, it had gender is just something we need to have to be able to be become more of ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. So my next warm-up question is: um, What is your greatest joy? My greatest joy. That's also a hard question because there are so many great things in life. Uh, one, um, in one sense, my three daughters are my greatest joy, or, or my granddaughter. She's two and a half, so she is really a joyful little being to be with. And also, uh, what we talked about before, the being uh, have the freedom to live my own life, to be able to do what I want more or less. I mean, I, I have had troubles in my life, so it does. it's not that it's without hurdles, but it's, uh, it's a good life, and that is, uh, that's a joy. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? The world's greatest need is peace. It needs to get rid of the people or the forces that are working against us, the dark forces working against uh, everybody's right to live. Wow. When you say dark forces, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to describe, but uh, in my world, there is the dark forces are the people that are like the ISIS, uh, the people that are uh, kind of getting their brain into something, saying that we are right and we can do whatever we want with everybody else. And a life is not worth anything because of their cause. That is, to me, a dark uh, force. Right. It might be that um, those who believe in control and manipulation... Right. Yeah, it's a bigger question, but it's the people that are not working for openness and for everybody's right to exist. What is love to you? Uh, love is caring, to care, to um, be kind, to not hurt. This is this can be hard to discuss in that sense, but I mean, not to put yourself 
first, but on the other hand, I think you do need to put yourself first. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> because that's what I'm really talking about when I talk about stress. But I mean, it's uh, it's not to put yourself up above everybody else. It might be the balance in a way. Using wisdom will help, right, to find that balance. Yes, because if you don't care for yourself first and take care of yourself first, just like they say in the airplanes, you have to get the oxygen for yourself first before you can help others. So you have to put yourself first in one sense to be able to help the others. Because if you don't care for take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to care for anybody else and then you can't help anybody else. Yeah, it makes sense. If we are not there for ourselves, then we can't be there for anyone. Exactly. What, where, and who is God? This is also a difficult question because I don't believe in God in that in the religious way. I believe in the good forces in the in the good in people and the the good powers that are uh, around people that want to to do the right things what do you think is the purpose of your life that is a really good question <laughs> <laughs> because uh, in a way i don't know and on the other hand i think it's um, being support to people who believe in me or people that believe in what I do rather. Being that uh, good force or person in other people's lives that so that they can feel good. Being a doctor, you, you work your whole life with trying to do good for as many as possible. I think that has been my mission and is still my mission, even though I've changed the focus on what to focus on. That sounds great. So let's talk about your work. Why did you write the book, Take Stress from Chaos to Calm? I think I said before that I, I've been working as a doctor. And when I was around 55, I realized that life was tough. I three kids, full-time work, uh, always being at service. The famous wall was getting closer. (laughs) And uh, I realized I had to do something, so I took a course in stress management. It was not the medical thing. It was just for anybody. Uh, It was a long-term course, and after a little while, I realized this is for me. This This is for my patients. This is not just for me. So I started to work with stress management and reading more about it and trying to figure out how to do that in the best way. It's been an up and down journey. And at some point I realized I had to kind of put the way that I think together And that's what I did in the book. So I decided to write. It was, the book became, is kind of an extension of my speaking. Because that was, there is so much information about stress management out there. And there are so many 
what I call quick fixes and buy this and do this and everything's going to be fine. And seeing from the doctor's view, I could see that's not how it works. You have to think about it in a different way, in my opinion, or from from my point of view, what I saw, that uh, people bought all these little gadgets or whatever it was. And they came to me as a doctor and say, doctor, I am still so stressed. And I bought this and I read this and I did this and I did that. And nothing really helped. It helped for the moment, but it didn't really help. My life is still a mess or whatever. So that's when I thought I have to put this in printing the way that I think about it. Yeah. And I like the way you did it. I have questions, specific questions about what you wrote in the book. But before that, let me ask you another question. Do you believe that there is such a thing as healthy stress? No. Uh, There has always been a discussion about if there is good or bad stress. I don't divide it that way. Stress is a physiological reaction in your body. It has nothing to do whether it's a good or a bad thing causing it. It's the same reaction. And so taking that in notice, then it's the good stress, so to speak, is that uh, you do like whatever you are going, what you are doing, and you're doing too much of it, and it becomes bad to your body because your physiology cannot keep up with it, even though you love it. And on the other hand, you have stuff that you don't like, but if you start accepting I do not like this uh, it's I I really hate to do this but uh, if you in your brain decide for yourself to say but it is okay and I will do it and I will do my best even though I don't like it then the so-called bad stress doesn't become a stress factor for you because you accepted it. That's powerful. Most people don't think in that way. (laughs) But if you accept what you're doing, even if you don't like it, like say that you're going to do something, you're going to put something together a hundred times. You have whatever thing that you need to put together and you have hundreds of them and you don't like them. And then when you're done 50, you can say to yourself, Oh, I'm really good. I've done 50, even though I didn't like it. But I've done 50, so I'm really good. And now I've done 75. And now I'm almost finished. Haven't I been really good? And that is going to give your body positive input and not using the stress system in the same I like that because that has to do with changing the way we think, shifting perspective. Yeah. Acceptance is a powerful thing. And it is, yeah. Which it's connected. Do you connect acceptance to letting go and surrender? Can be. I mean, it's always about whole situation. So you have to decide. Letting go and and surrender is, yeah, I'd say it's different sides of the same coin. (laughs) Yeah, true. 
Uh, now, speaking of the different sides of the same coin, do you connect anxiety, worry, and fear to stress? Yes, it's all connected. In, in my world, all these mental illnesses or uh, not well-beings, because it doesn't have to be an illness per se, you could say that they are same, same, but different. They are all on a line. You have more or less of one or the other. And some people have more fear and some people have more anxiety, but it's part of the same system. That makes me think about excitement. Excitement sounds positive, positive response to something. Could that become stress as well or be interpreted as stress by the body? Of course, everything can if you have too, way too much of things. Because if you are excited, that's a positive sign, like you say, and it's you feel good and it puts out some of your feel-good hormones. But on the other hand, if if it just goes on and goes on, you get overwhelmed by it. And then the negative part, because you you get tired. <laughs> so, so it's all, all of these things that are with the mental system, they are connected. So it's, uh, it, I'm using the word balance, but it's going back to actually something that you talk about over and over, being true to ourselves, knowing who you are. And that seems like a very good point or space to start, right? That work of knowing yourself so we can create more balance. And that will bring me to the next questions. So in the book, you say we must dare to be true to ourselves, to see ourselves as we really are, and then commit to who we know we want to be and can most most definitely be. So I have two questions, perhaps three. <laughs> what is to be true to yourself or what is to be true to ourselves and how does it relate to self-care? And then the other question is, when do we know we are there? If we state the second question first, uh, when do we know we're there? It's, I'd say that that is a question that is never really truly settled because life goes on and things outside changes and you always have to adjust and what is being true to yourself it's as good as possible to live your life and not everybody else's life because most people live somebody else's life their parents i want my mother wanted me to be my father wanted me to be my grandparents always told me i should be uh, or whatever or they have this business and you have to take it over from your parents or your grandparents and all those expectations that we are brought up with. And they, they make you do things that you don't know is not your own will. <laughs> we have always done like that in my family. We have always, or one should, because you have heard all your life that one should, whatever. 
And in my world, I try to take away those words like should. There is, you, there is no should or must in that sense. There are things you must do. You have to take care of your baby if you have a baby or whatever. You know, those really hands-on things. But the must-do, no, you do not must to do you have to so that's what i mean with trying to figure out what is what's what do i want to do what is fun for me and then just leave outside what everybody else say <laughs> yeah it is hard isn't it <laughs> it's challenging <laughs> it's it's hard <laughs> it's challenging and uh, it and most people i would guess don't get all the way. But if you can find part of your life being for what you actually want to do and try different things, it's not a loss if you don't succeed. You just shake it off and do something else or go back to what you did before. Or, but then at least you can say to yourself, on the day you're going to leave this earth. And I, at least I tried. Mm. Wow, I love that. Yeah. We tried to live our purpose or, yeah, to be ourselves. I think that connects to purpose in a way, doesn't it? Meaning. Yeah, it, exactly. To be content with what you're doing and not because somebody else wants you to do it. So I guess um, my follow up question was part of the first question. Um, do you connect being true to ourselves to um, self-love? Yeah, I, that, that's what it is, isn't it? If you don't like yourself, you are going to try to do things <laughs> that others say that you should do because you feel that would be better for you because you don't love yourself, you don't like yourself. Oh, wow. So it's not having enough um, maybe self-esteem or um, self-respect. That's why we follow other people's advice or society or because we don't have enough confidence or trust in ourselves. No, and we are brought up that way. I mean, it's you don't have to beat yourself because it doesn't work. Because we are really hardwired to do as people have done before or told us to do it is harder to live your own life by your own purpose or your own rules than to live the life that everybody else uh, 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 expects from you right in a way Annika it's also easier isn't it to be told what to do than just being creative definitely and our brain function in that way that we are people of habits. The brain makes uh, roots in among the brain cells. They make like lanes and, uh, and the thoughts or the doings, they go by the lanes, the big lanes. Those are the things that we do by just do it. Like, like biking, ride a bicycle. That's put into your brain and you, it, it's easy when you know how to do it because that route is there. Now you don't want to change that because <laughs> it's good to be able to bite. But if you think about other things that you do, you do it in this way. And then you realize 
that's not the smartest way. That's not the way I want to do it. You want to do it in another way. But your brain is all the time going to tell you to do it the old way because that takes less energy and it's the easiest way. It goes the fastest and you have to think if you want to do it in another way. And it takes weeks before you've made the new route so that you do it automatically the new way. And that takes energy and it takes willpower. Wow. And if somebody always stands beside you and say, okay, I know you want to do it this new way, but please come do it this old way because it's what we always done. It is hard to leave that route. So it's harder to live your own life, your true own life, than to live in the mess that we are brought up in. (laughs) (laughs) So true. That answers that question. So that's the reason why most people just follow rules and this follow other people's... We are wired that way. Right. And that goes... That comes from when we were born as as human beings. I mean, we're talking about 200,000 years ago. At that time, that's when our brain system was kind of manufactured, so to speak. And we we had to run away from the, the, the things happening or you had to fight or play dead. That system made it, you have to figure out how to get food and you do it the same way as because it's the easiest way and you don't have energy enough to, to, to spoil it. And you have to have energy when you have to run away from the animals. And all those things are so fixed in our brain. So that's what we're working against when we want to change and live our life. So in a way, it's going against our own intuition or instincts. Would you say that? In a way, in, in a way you could say that. But on the other hand, as I see it, we, are, we live in, an, in another environment and we have to adjust to make the good life here. And they had the best of life that they could have over there in that time. And if we would fully live that life, we would sit in the couch and eat all the time. Because that was what, what, our, what our brain wanted, food, when you can get it. And now you can get it all the time. And uh, rest when you can get it, because you had to run away or you had to seek for food. And now you can sit in, in the sofa all day. So in, in a sense, we are living... We are living the way that we are wired by sitting in the sofa, eating all the candy and all that. Mm, Yeah, right. (laughs) That does not make us feel good. So we have to figure out how do I feel good? What's my purpose? Because we live in another time. Yes. And that uh, makes me think about common sense and just... uh going by reason, because that's a very good way of understanding reality and navigating our own reality, just uh, making sense. In the book, you talk about the wheel of life, and then you mention your client, Eric, 
and this is the holistic way of living. And you have, uh, per, you talk about personal development, which has a lot to do with knowing ourselves. And then the second is health, and then work, money, network, intimacy, free time, hobbies, and then surroundings. So uh, before we talk about each one of them, because we have been talking about knowing yourself, and that's so important, and a lot of times it goes back to the way we have been brought up and educated. So you as a mother, I'm just wondering, how did you do it? Were you able to let your kids be themselves and find their own path and build their own lives? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) I have three girls. They have decided for three totally different types of uh, schools or education in different worlds. Uh, I've been traveling with them to all high schools in half Sweden (laughs) so that they could find the one that they wanted. Uh, So, so, uh, yes, I think I... uh, The backstory of this is, I don't know if you want this in here, but we did have a baby before that died when she was 10 weeks old. Uh, That was our first uh, child. And uh, that uh, kind of formed me a lot about what is important in life. And then when we have had these three uh, really beautiful, healthy girls, they were really, they were so precious to me that I really wanted them to be their best. I think that formed me a bit when we had that experience to begin with. And and um, today they are grown up uh, and they uh, have, one is a doctor, one is an economic person and one is a classical singer. So, and they all live from their different, <laughs> in their different areas. Um, are they happy? I hope so. They, I mean, you never know fully, even if, we have good connections, but I think they are happy. I think they, and they, one thing that I really uh, love is that they care for each other. And I've seen so many people or siblings that don't get get, get along or they, they just lose contact. But uh, I I think my three girls have a very good connection among them. Yeah, that's a good way of knowing, right? Because uh, connection is a very important um, component of happiness, feeling connected to others. Yeah. Like uh, just a very small example, but we have always been very conscious about when we're going to have eat dinner at night. Yeah because everyone is away during the day. We always did that together. And if someone was a little late, the other said, okay, well, let's wait for them because we want to eat together. And they still do that. And I think that's also uh, something that I am I'm happy about, that they, uh, they like the community among. Yeah, because that's part of 
of living a healthy life, right? Fulfilled life. That's really wonderful. Thank you so much, Anika, for making this happen <laughs> in some part of the world. <laughs> That's so important. So talk to me about each part or component of the wheel of life. The first one is personal development. Yeah, I, I can explain how I think about this. As I see it, it's you have to first, what we have been talking about, you have to want to change or want to do something. And then you have you have to know yourself to do that. And to do the changes, you need to have energy. And to have energy, we go to the, the, to the one that is called health. And in that part, I talk about uh, sleeping as, yes, that's uh, the power of life. Uh, and you have the, the eating, that is energy, and it's also social. And then you have physical activity, that is energy, and it's also protection against so much health in our bodies because our bodies are made for walking, for moving. And that also goes back to those 200,000 years ago where you had to be able to run and the physical part of the person, that part is very important for a healthy body. So knowing yourself and getting energy to do the changes, those are the two first steps. And then the third step is all the other things are outside your body. It's in your mind, you work with it, but it's, out, it's things outside your body. And uh, depending on the person, uh, some have issues in their work, some have issues with the money, some have issues with people, network, <clears throat> and some have issues with their family, int intimacy, uh, and... Uh, a lot of people have issues they don't have any free time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not that you have to have a lot of free time, but it, you have to be aware of if it's something you miss or not. And then physical surrounding, it's about status, where you live, how other people see you, and in that sense, how you see yourself, <clears throat> and where you're striving because of other people. So the the six others, except um, uh, health and personal development, they are the outside factors and they are uh, differently uh, important depending on who you are. Yeah, that's, um, I never thought it that way, but it's true. So in a way, the foundation is personal development that has to do a lot with um, the mental, emotional and uh, spiritual, I would say so too. And then we go we go back to health, yeah, being those, I never thought it that way. And that's true. And everything else outside of ourselves in a way. You, you work with it within your mind. <laughs> but so so it's, still, it's still something that you have to tackle with your mind, but it's things that are outside. Yeah. I mean, you can do a lot about your own health and you decide what you do. And I know uh, genetics and we are different and, you know, we have all different, we are not equal in every sense there, <laughs> but we can do our best with, with ourselves. With the p things that are outside of us, 
sometimes we have nothing to say about that, like the virus coming up. <laughs> we have nothing to say. It's it's about accepting or not accepting. And about people, if you have, I mean, there are, there are people or, or co-workers that you just hate. You have to have them there because they are in the organization. But you you can either say every day, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them, and make your own day bad. Or you can say, I don't like that guy, but I'm not going to let him or her destroy my life. So let them be there. I'll go there as little as I can. And uh, for the rest, I don't care to save yourself. Yeah. I love that approach, Anika. I really do. Because then it's up to us. It's uh, now taking responsibility for everything. Exactly. And and it all goes back to the thing that I can change myself. I can change my own thoughts. I can change uh, how I see things or what I do. But I can never change anybody else. I can change others in that sense that if I change enough, they can either hate me for it. <laughs> that that could happen. <laughs> and, and, say, and say, I don't, I don't like the new you. Right. Or they can actually kind of take the same steps behind you because they see something good in your change. So... Uh, so you, in that sense, you can change others, but it's still not you changing them. They have to change themselves. Yes, yeah. But you can be the cause. Yeah, I love <laughs> that. And that's, that resonates big time with me. And one of the things that I just realized by reading your book, you left out spirituality. You don't mention spiritual beliefs or spirituality in general. Why did you leave that out? I think it's because I am not a spiritual person in that sense. Uh, I am brought up with biology. I've been a doctor. You are outside that world. That's that's a totally. It's it is a totally different world in a sense. Now it's. It, I wrote this two thousand and thirteen. I think. And so that's seven years ago. I still don't see myself as a spiritual person in in that sense because I still keep myself inside what is okay to do as a doctor. But I am on the edges or kind of looking at the borders <laughs> for for what is okay and i am definitely more out of the system or in the, on the edge of the system than most doctors are but i am still seeing myself as someone i always rely on science or the close to science that we know today and i know that there are things that we still don't know and in my world, sometimes people that are so-called spiritual, they are so convinced. And to me, that is not okay because it's, we can't, you can't really say it is like that. 
Wow. I actually don't know anything more spiritual than being yourself, being true to yourself and following your own path. There's nothing more spiritual than that to me. In, in, a, in a sense, exactly. But it, I mean, there are there is this world of that is often called the woe world. And that is, I am not part of that. I don't see myself as part of that. I see myself as as more like you say, true to myself, true to uh, what we know about how things work and what we have seen, how it works. And um, I am very conscious about keeping my license. Yeah. Now that is, uh, that's so interesting because we have, there are a lot of labels on everything, right? There's uh, concepts, ideas, the stigma. But I keep seeing that over and over again. The most authentic people, people who have that freedom to be themselves, that's where I see really whatever we call God. That's where I sense that the truth might be the experience of being ourselves. That might be what God really is. Yeah. And uh, like I said, to me, I don't have a God in the religious sense I have uh, because that is somebody supposed to sit and say what I should do and I don't want anyone to say what I should do (laughs) right you have there you have the word should again (laughs) yes right that should be eliminated (laughs) And, and I say more what I can do I like that so I have a few more questions for you. I call them my final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Uh, if I just read the foreword, the, it's Andy Warhol who said, when people are ready to, they change. They never do it before then. And sometimes they die before they get around to it. You can make them change if they, you can't make them change if they don't want to. Just like when they do want to, you can't stop them. And I think that sums up our discussion. (laughs) I think that is exactly what we have been talking about. (laughs) Yes, yeah. What a wonderful quote. Wonderful, wonderful. No, exactly. And also that you can't, they have to, you have to be ready. You can't do it before you're ready. And you can't make anybody else change. You have to, you can just change yourself. Yeah, I never heard it that way too. So once they decide to change, no one can stop them. Yeah, so true. So true, Anika. Thank you so much. So my final questions. How do you define success? What is to be successful? To me, it's not about money. To some people, it's just about money. I do like money enough to get around, but to me, it's not, it's more being, to be able to spread the message. And when somebody says, oh, I just see what you said, that is exactly what I needed to hear. That's success. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? I, about myself, I think that I learned most about myself when our daughter died. That was a, a, a time when I had looked at myself and what should I do and could I do and what what uh, what is life. Uh, so I think I think that formed me 
a lot. And because she had a, a genetic disease and there was nobody's fault, uh, you know, so you really have, I, and, and since I was going to medical school, I could see that. And people around me said, you should, uh, you should blame people around you because it happened. But I couldn't blame anybody because it was nature. And I think that is also um, because I have always seen it like that. It's nature and you can't, you can't change nature. You can do your best to be your, to be, to work yourself the best uh, towards what nature wants you to do as a human being, to be as healthy as possible. But you can't blame anybody. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I think we always have doubts in ourselves. So I'm not sure we have unconditional self-love. I think that is uh, probably one of those questions that you're going to fight with your whole life. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, yeah. You can't change nature, but only understand nature. So in a way, it's like we are forced to love life in nature unconditionally. Yeah, yeah, you can that you can say that uh, in that way. Yes, exactly. It's like all the, what we talked before. You can change some things in life, but you can't. The things that you can't change, you just have to find a way to accept. Right, right. Oh, I see. Because to say that we love something unconditionally, it is, um, yeah, it is challenging to do, isn't it? To love, but perhaps, like you said, to accept, to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's more. That's more what it really is in the long run. And things change over time. So life is always, uh, it's a challenge one way or the other. It doesn't have to be hard all the time, but it does change. So you have to always, you, you have to adjust. Yeah, and always practice that acceptance that you talk about. And that's interesting from acceptance, uh, letting go and surrender, it comes peace, which I associate to love, being peaceful. So I guess everything's connected in the end. It is. That's what I always (laughs) say. (laughs) All these things are one thing. And the body and the mind is always also connected. I mean, if you feel well in one part, you feel better in the other. If you feel bad in one part, you feel bad in in the other. So true. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you change anything or do anything differently? Not really. What I what I would like to be able to do before I die is to to get out some more of the mess that I have around me, all the stuff. We moved from a big house and now we're in an apartment and there is a lot. And I do not want my children or my husband to be able to to have to care for that. And that's the only thing, because I've had a good life and I, no, I wouldn't change anything. Not the hard parts either, because they for Yeah, because the challenges were part of your life and you accept as a whole, not just parts of life, right? No, I I, I was 
utan. That is so wonderful to hear. And my final, final question. What are three things about life you know for sure? It's, uh, it has an end. It always change. And three things. I don't know if there are three things. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe two in three, right? Three in two. <laughs> it has an end. That's, it has a beginning and an end. That's for sure. And that nothing is uh, the same all the time. That is also for sure. I don't know if I have any more answers to that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So we got three and two. <laughs> and um, it has been a meaningful conversation, peaceful and um, very genuine. Thank you so much for being you. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, it was nice talking to you. Thank you for the conversation. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, well, you can find more about me on my website. Uh, that's www.askdranika.com, A-S-K-D-R-A-N-N-I-K-A.com. That's the general. And then if you want some free training on stress management, mainly, or it's the same <laughs> for whatever, you can go to www.stresslesstoday, in one word, dot com slash free dash training. And then you find some free training about stress management and finding your good life. That's great. Thank you so much again, Dr. Anika, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Annika Sorensen, please visit her website, askdrannika.com. For the Stress Less Today free training, please visit stresslesstoday.com slash free training. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.